guys. Welcome back to another episode of Study Break. My name is Melody, and today I'm here with three of my new best friends. We're all going to the same college next year. So please welcome Coco, Sharon, and Nilda. Hello. Hello. Go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about where you're from. Okay, uh, I'm going to get ahead and do it. My name is Caroline. Uh, but everyone calls me Coco. Caroline is too long. It's nine letters. No one's going to say that. And I'm in South Florida right now. <laughs> and, I'll, and well, I'm from Brazil, but I move around a lot. So, um, so hi, everyone. My name's Nilda. I am from Calexico, California, which is at the very bottom of California. And it's actually a border town. Hi, y'all. My name is Sharon. and I'm from Houston, Texas. So Rice is literally like an hour away from me, which is really cool. Yes. All right. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about our college application process, as well as what it's like to be admitted to a school, especially so early on in December. It's a huge relief, like a huge weight has been lifted off of all of our shoulders. Um, but with that, it also comes with some imposter syndrome. You know, we've been feeling kind of suspicious about how we even got admitted, about our own accomplishments, about our entire life journey, basically. And just in general, this whole college application process has been kind of nerve-wracking. It's been a really interesting look inside all of our lives and a great time to reflect on what we've done. So to begin, let's talk about the college application process. So that includes discovering what colleges you want to apply to, what programs you want to apply through. So all of us, we um, apply through QuestBridge. And um, just in general, comparing yourself with the stats of what's written on different websites. Mm -hmm. I didn't look at Rice's stats until like after I was admitted. And then, so obviously they have like super high SAT scores and then like GPA crazy. And then I was just like, what? Like, do people actually meet these standards? Cause I went in test optional. And then to me, it was kind of crazy that like those high test scores was what like they expected of you. And then like for me to go in test optional because my SAT score like wasn't that good or like I wasn't satisfied with it. It was definitely like, whoa, like this is this is weird. Did we all go test optional or? I went yeah. test optional. Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My SAT score was horrible. I was like, I am not submitting this to rise of all places. Like, no. Same. Yeah, I me too. And laughed. <laughs> I think like all the privates that I applied to, like through QuestBridge, obviously, I didn't submit anything because it just did not fit like any range, like any. And so I was just like, mm, maybe not, maybe not here. Something that happened to me is that when I first discovered QuestBridge, it was through my counselor when I was admitted to my new school. She told me, hey, you should do the college prep scholars. And I was like, oh, I'll go for it. And even before I could apply to it, I was looking at the different criteria for it, how you had to be low income, you had to have like, um, certain GPA and things like that and then I looked at their SAT score and at the time uh, I was in junior year beginning it and I hadn't taken the SAT yet so looking at their scores and I, uh, I saw that it was like 
1300s or 1330 or something like that, the average. And I was like, my score is nowhere near that. My PSAT score was like in the thousand something. Yeah, and then same. when I actually took the SAT, it was uh, 1290. And then um, I think I watched a, a all-week video for Rice and the guy was screaming, oh, this is the best class we've ever had. The average SAT score, 1510. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Dude, that's like unreal, like unrealistic in my right. eyes. <laughs> People actually score that high is insane. Yeah, I remember there was this one. So I did like a summer program. That's kind of like how I also got into Questbridge because a few of other students there were doing it. Um, and I remember that there was this one girl, and she was like, "Oh, like how are you guys feeling about like SAT scores?" The like are you going into this optional, whatever, whatever, you know, all that. And then we're out. I mean, I said like, oh, like by that point I had taken one SAT and it wasn't, it wasn't like that good. And so I was like, I don't, I feel like I'm not going to submit because, you know, like test ranges, whatever. And she was like, oh, it's because I'm so sad because my, my SAT score went down to a 1500. And so I don't even know if it's worth, if it's worth submitting. I was like, what? No. I was like, don't, like, don't even. I was like, there's no way she just said that. I was like, no way. And so that's when I realized that, like, oh my God, there's like some really like in like incredibly intelligent people. And like I feel like even they get imposter syndrome, but like I, for me, that was just kind of like, okay, there's this is a lot of people that I'm like applying, like competing against, you know, like during the application process. And I was kind of like, ooh. So yeah, that definitely made me nervous. It really scared me too, because I feel like when I was applying, I had like a mentor or whatever, kind of, like he kind of dipped on me and ghosted me. So it was kind of sad. <laughs> oh my God. I think I ghosted him first and he like ghosted me back. But whatever. He was my winter during like the summertime or whatever, when I started applying to colleges. And he, he like urged me not to do test often. He was like, think about all the other kids who are like applying with test scores their scores are going to be so high and stuff like that. And yours going test often. So, so they don't know like how smart you are and stuff like that. And I felt like it really scared me because I thought like going test optional meant like I wouldn't get admitted anywhere. But then I got into Rice and I'm like, hold up. <laughs> that happened to me too. But it was kind of just like myself playing into it. And because I, I don't know if you guys have read it, but for te uh, testing, I made a Reddit account just so I could look through it and like ask for help and things like that. But the thing is that it really played to, like, I guess my mental stability, seeing so many people in those subreddits get, like, 1600s and everything above a 1500. And I was like, oh, if they're doing it, I can do it, too. I just have to put my mind to it. But the thing is, that, like, I would not score high. I don't think I ever got above, like, a 1520 in the math section, ever. And it was just, like everyone that would talk to me um I even did a program in my county like helping study uh, students study for the SAP but the thing is that's like I, I I tried to put my mind to it and help others but I couldn't even help myself so it was yeah. kind of like iffy I don't know mm -hmm. manifesting your SAT score to be above <laughs> a 1500 <laughs> No, I got like looped into Reddit too. Like I created an account and everything. I feel like, I think it started like sophomore year to like right now or whatever. I would just scroll and scroll and like look at all these like accomplished people. Like I remember I was looking at this one thread. I got sucked into the Questbridge threads too. Cause it'd be like, oh, I got like a 1500. I got a 35 SAT, 
ACT, I got a 1600 SAT, and I didn't match to any schools. I'm like, what the heck? I'm literally not going to get matched to any. And like, they were, like, they were president of every single club, president of their class, all this other stuff. So it just like really made me feel like inferior. Like if they didn't match, I'm definitely not going to match, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like we need to like stop comparing ourselves to people like that. Cause like that, I feel like that's the main like reason of imposter syndrome, comparing right. us. Yeah, for me, I know that I had to set boundaries for myself because imposter syndrome was hitting so hard. So I also made like a Reddit and then like before, not during senior year, but like junior year, sophomore year, you know, um, sometimes I would watch those like reaction videos of like getting accepted or like opening my letters. And then like sen- once senior year started, I, I decided like I wasn't going to look at like a single one of those videos because I had because I knew that then that would start making my brain just kind of like go over like, oh, like, is that going to be me? Like, am I even going to, you know, all of those, all of those like questions that come when like watching like people who like you will soon be in their shoes opening these types of letters. And so I had to set boundaries for myself. And like, I deleted Reddit too, because I was looking at all the, like the posts of like people posting their stats. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is not good. So I just like had to set those boundaries. And I think that's like important for people to do because it's just going to help you like eliminate the chances of imposter syndrome hitting as hard that because like Sharon said um, imposter syndrome basically stems from comparing yourself to others so if you like limit if you limit like all of those things that you could compare yourself to it's going to help like diminish the I guess the impact of the imposter syndrome yeah definitely and I feel like when it comes to watching those YouTube reaction videos, it hit too close to home. Like I completely relate to what you were saying. My senior year, I was like super superstitious. I don't know why, but I was just like, yeah, I feel like if I watch people get into the schools, I'm like, oh, I can do that too. And then I won't be able to. I'm like, yeah. okay, you can't ever have, you can't ever be disappointed if you just lower your expectations. No, literally. <laughs> No, that was me because like even with QuestBridge and like being matched, like before I got matched the day of, I I had like a bunch of applications to my state schools due. So I was applying to like UT Austin, Texas A&M, UTSA, and all these schools had like pretty high acceptance rates. Like I know like one of the schools I was applying to had like a 70% acceptance rate. And I was like, oh, I don't think I'm gonna get in. Like I'm stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. I genuinely put myself down so much and it's horrible. No, yeah, same. I remember um, I went in, so I did the college prep scholars program like Coco. Um, Did you guys do it too? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I did that. And then like when I first applied to the match, my mentality was, okay, I'll just get finalists and then I'll do regular decision. So I can focus on my like, my UCs. So like from in California, especially my school, they only push college if it's for the community college or for the UCs and like maybe like Cal State. So in my area, oh my God, I have like a story too. Like, okay, wait. <laughs> okay. So they only push those three things. And so it really like gives you tunnel vision that like, oh, those are the only good schools or like, those are the only one worth applying or the only ones that like I'm likely to get in because Um, that's just like the mentality that like my area has given us and so uh, I went in thinking 
I'm not going to get matched, but I'll just use all of that like application that I already have done. And then I'll just move it to regular decision. And then that, I'll, you know, like I'll test my fate. But like my head was always, I'm not getting matched. I'm not getting matched. And so like literally anyone that I talked to about that, they're like, oh, how are you feeling? I'm like, oh, like I don't feel anything because I'm not going to get matched. Like that's how like I was expecting disappointment. And so even in my reaction video, I was like, I'm going to get rejected on film. And then I was like, I ex lower your expectations, guys. Like, it's really not, like, it's not going to happen. When I did get matched, I was like, whoa, this is not, like, this is not what I was expecting at all. But um, the story that I wanted to tell was, there's actually, like, two stories. So, like, the first part <laughs> is that my teacher, who I asked for a letter of recommendation, he didn't want to do it because it was QuestBridge. He was like, I have the same uh, problem. He was like, yeah, he was like, uh, it's because. I, it's too much work and like no one ever gets matched here so he was like are you the only one that's doing it and I was like I think so yeah because I, I really was the first the only student that was doing it in my year and he was like um yeah I guess and so he like almost told me no and then uh the next part was that like my school did like little workshops where you could go into the library and they'll help you with like your college applications and stuff and so I was working on my QuestBridge stuff and this guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, do you need any help? And I was like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, you know, I'm working on it. He's like, what are you working on? And I was like, oh, it's this thing called QuestBridge. And he was like, oh, what, what schools are you applying to? And I was like, oh, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he was like, oh, you know, those are really hard schools, right? And I was like, um, yeah. And he was like, um, you're still applying to the UCs and the community college, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, good. Make sure to do those too. And I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, um, well, I guess it's fine since you're Hispanic, low income, and a woman. So I guess your chances are a little better. And then I was just oh like, my bro, what? That's insane. I was like, bro, you don't know, like, you don't know anything about me. Like, I've never seen this man in my life. I was like, you don't know if I'm doing good in school. You don't know, like, what I've got going on for me. And like, he was like, his expectations were just like, oh, you're like wasting your time, you know? And I was just like, what? So yeah. The I've never seen that man again though so I can't even but yeah well, I, I have the same issue oh sorry <laughs> no go ahead I was gonna say that I have the same issue with recommendation letter because uh, I'm a STEM major but the thing is that when I did Questbridge both uh, prep scholars and the national college match I only had English teachers write my recommendation letters because since I was in a new school and we were online I had no time to bond with anyone but my mm -hmm. English teachers because they were the only ones that actually like talked to us and asked for feedback. Math class was literally just, oh, what's the answer for this? 32, okay, good, next problem. And so uh, a couple of weeks before it was due, I went up to my math teacher because I made sure to, I go to a community college for high school. Uh, so my classes are per semester and I made sure to get the same teacher every semester if I could, just so I could ask for recommendation letters later on. But I went up to this man, I'm like, yo, I need a STEM recommendation letter. I already submit two and you would have to submit it directly to the school. And he was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, why? And he was like, no, you already have two. Why do you want more? And I'm like, because I need a STEM recommendation letter. I'm applying for engineering. He told me, no, I'm not gonna write you if you already have two. And I'm like, but some, Caltech required one, I'm pretty sure. And I think MIT strongly recommended. And I wanted to submit to Rice more than anything because Rice was 
Bryce wasn't necessarily my top one school, but it's the one that I wanted to get in the most. I did some silly mistakes when ranking schools, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> but I was trying to convince them and he just wouldn't budge. So I went to talk to my counselor to her office crying saying, I'm not gonna get matched. I'm not gonna get into the school I want to because he won't submit a recommendation letter. He said that if I didn't have those two, he would, but he just doesn't want to. And she was like, oh, I'll talk to him about it. She didn't. So I had to go up to him again and talk to him. And he was like, I'll write a com- recommendation letter, but I won't submit it. And I was like, then what's the point? <laughs> oh, what's what? the point? Because he didn't want to email the schools individually. So I went back to my counselor and she was like, oh, tell him to send it to me and I'll email them. And literally the day, uh, the like two days after, I think that's when she sent out uh, the recommendation letters after the deadline. And I thought I wasn't going to get it because of it. Oh my gosh, yeah. what a journey. I think they did accept. I think they did accept um, like recommendation letters a little bit after the deadline, but bam. the same kind of happened with me. So like one of my recommendation teachers or whatever, she didn't submit like my recommendation with my QuestBridge app. So like when I submitted my QuestBridge app to like all the 10 schools I matched, I only had like one recommendation letter. I didn't have like a second one. So I asked her, I was like, okay, could you like submit the recommendations to like all the 10 schools? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I got you. I like I visit her class like every single day and she's like yeah yeah I'm gonna submit it I'm gonna submit it my wi-fi was out um I didn't have any electricity like all these is right turns out girl never email recommendation so I would go home like almost every day and I would cry my eyes out I'd be like I worked so hard on this application and I don't even have a recommendation I'm not getting in anywhere so I don't know that really played into my positive syndrome as well like not having like the entire part of my application filled up Cause like I individually emailed like some of the schools. Like I ranked one school, and they were like, "Yeah, if you don't have a recommendation letter, we won't even look at your application." And it was insane. You know, something kind of similar also happened to me. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe that's like the thing. You'll be matched if you have some sort of letter of recommendation issue. Problem. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from this whole letter of recommendation situation, um. How were your thoughts on the process of waiting for your results? Because I know for me, that was one of the most stressful times ever. I was, I thought I was going to be fine. But then like subconsciously, I think I was constantly thinking about it because I even dreamt about like getting rejected <laughs> from school. <laughs> That's how you know. That's how you know that it's like really stressful. If like your dreams. Mine didn't phase me a lot. Like until the moment like until the day of I didn't really care it was like for the actual match I was um I remember that I think Marla Ross I think that's her name she said on the Facebook group it would come out by like 8 p.m uh eastern time so I was like okay I'm gonna finish school I'm gonna get home I'm probably gonna nap and it's gonna be whatever but decisions came out earlier than I thought and until the day of, I wasn't thinking of it. Cause I remember I stayed up that night and I was on Facebook, the Facebook group making posts, the little rice shrine one and things like that. I just couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> no, waiting for applications was so scary. And I remember like when it came early, I was really scared too, because I was like 
on Reddit. And I was like, they were all saying it'd come out at like four o'clock, five o'clock, six, eight, the latest, right? So I'm thinking, and they were like, they were saying it was like rolled admissions. So like, if you got your message like early, it meant like you didn't match to any schools. But if you got it later, that means that you probably matched. So when I got the email at 1 p.m. that like the uh... results were- I was so scared. I was like bawling my eyes out without even opening it. I was like, oh my God, it matched. I didn't match. Like I literally had my friend open the quest for cheating because I was like, I cannot do this. It was so scary. Yeah, I remember um, the day of, I remember it was my fourth period and then I have lunch after that. And I told my friend because they wanted to be there when I opened it. And I was like, no, this is like so embarrassing. Like I'm not going to get in. Like you don't, you don't want to be there. Like I'm going to like, no. And then it came out during fourth period. And I was like, oh my God, I started feeling like, I don't know, for me, when I get like nervous or anxious, I get like in my stomach, it feels like, like hot and like, it, it feels like it's burning or something. I don't know, like in my stomach. And then I start like sweating and then I just, I was just sweating. And then, so yeah. And then during lunch, I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just open it. And then I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> But yeah, I was like not feeling it at all until the day of or like the moment of. Yeah, the day of the match results coming out. I remember I was checking my email constantly, even though I knew it would be like about 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It came out earlier than expected. So I was also in my fourth period. Um, And when I saw the email pop up on my phone, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, I was like shaking, my hands were shaking, my heart started pounding really fast, I couldn't pay attention to what the teacher was saying at all, I was literally like going like this, I was like, <laughs> is, is this normal, <laughs> is my heartbeat normal, um, and then eventually she ended early, and then so I asked her like, hey, can I go outside, it's something really important, and I have to open it now, Even though beforehand, I distracted myself by planning an officer meeting during lunch, which was after fourth period. So I didn't have to open it until I got home, but I just couldn't wait anymore. And I was like, okay, I got to see this now. And when I saw it was like, congratulations. I was like, I I did a, (gasps) like, that was all my reaction. I was like completely speechless. I didn't know how to react because I also had that expectation where, I was just going to be rejected. I was already planning my regular decision, (laughs) next steps. Um, So it was really crazy. And this whole time, like even now, it still doesn't feel real. And um, going back to what we were talking about with like Reddit and even Facebook, there's this Facebook group that's made specifically for QuestBridge applicants. And like everyone's just talking about their stats and um, their accomplishments. And even after I was matched and seeing the people who didn't get matched, I was like, why do I get to be matched? And those people who are like 10 times better than me, Mm -hmm. how come they didn't? I was going through the Facebook group and there was someone talking about how they did skin uh, research, skin cancer research or something like that with a professor at some university the, the professor wrote the recommendation letter and they still didn't get matched. And I just looked at that and I'm like, man, I wrote my essays about eating glow sticks. How did I get in? Like, <laughs> what? Like, I was, because you know how there was a prompt in quest for like, oh, something you researched just cause I wrote about eating glow sticks. But <laughs> I was like, 
oh my god how are people this awesome but they didn't get matched and me who literally like I don't know I, my, I don't have any great great accomplishments my only national accomplishment would be getting Questbridge and like all these people like researching skin cancer um working for NASA there was a guy that had an internship with NASA or something and I'm like how did I get matched like how for me it was more not so much like other people because I didn't I didn't go on the Facebook group because I don't use Facebook and also like Melody was saying a bunch of stats a bunch of like resumes and I was like eh, no I don't look at that and but for me it was like my childhood best friend and so they had their applications done by like November when everyone is barely like starting it you know and so they had like they had that and then they applied um early decision and everyone was like oh my god they so got this like there's so a lot of extracurriculars a lot of leadership positions um and they, they got deferred and so I think for me seeing my friend who I've seen like work super 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 hard to like get deferred from their dream university and for me who I didn't think my accomplishments I mean I didn't even have that good of like accomplishments um to get not only like accepted but get like a full ride to me that was kind of like whoa like it hit hard because I had seen that person face to face and work so hard directly and have them rant to me about like oh like I'm nervous about this or like oh my god guess what I'm just doing right now and so for me, that that's where like the imposter syndrome hit hard when they were not able to get in, but I did. And that was kind of like, oof. I don't like people in my class because like at my school, the like the highest that people like achieve for like college wise is like UT Austin. I don't know if y'all heard of it, but like it's our top like state school or whatever, right? So like everyone, like if you're smart, you go to UT Austin. You don't really do like IVs or like really top private schools or whatever. So I remember I was like talking to a few people, like my close, close friends about like some of the schools I was applying to, like some of these Ivy, some of these really hard, like private schools. And like, I remember I like somebody overheard us or whatever. And they like looked at me like I was crazy. They're like, do you actually expect to like get into these schools? Like, who do you think you are? Like, I don't know. And it was just like, I, I was really like, who do I think I am? Like, I don't, like, I know for a fact I'm not going to get in, but like, I just want to try or whatever, right? So I think like it was just a lot me taking what a lot of other people said and like believing that because everyone was like you're insane for applying to these schools like you're not gonna get in you're just wasting your time just go to like a public school and it was just really scary. Did any of you guys have like a similar experience of like people telling you like what are you doing or like you don't deserve it? Oh, no, actually, recently I have a friend he lives in Texas. He is like online friend in a way. And I was just talking to him and he was like, how did you get in? Like out of everyone, how did you get in? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like I don't even know either, but for <laughs> yeah. you to say that to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know either, but like for you to tell me that, like that's that's like out of pocket. Like, <laughs> yeah. Only yeah, I yeah. can tell myself that. You can't. And <laughs> one friend, we've been friends for like two or three, three years whatever it's like kind of a long time but not like too long and when she found out like I got matched to right she was like obviously really happy for me but like she said this one thing that like kind of rubbed me the wrong way she was like oh my gosh if you could get matched to rice and I can definitely get in so then that's when she started like working on all her applications she was like 
if you could get in, that means I'm a shoe and all this other stuff. And it was just really weird because it was like, I worked so hard for like where I am right now. Like for you to diminish that. Ew, I hate that. Why are people like that? <laughs> yeah, that's so rude. Oh my god. Literally, gosh. cut her off Toxic. so quick. Good. <laughs> yes, yes. For me, um, I have this reputation at school of being the quote unquote overachiever, which is something that I personally appreciate, but I don't really like it just because it does place this pressure on me. Um, but with that, I think there comes a lot of passive aggressiveness too, because some people like hear about this. I actually kept it kind of like under wraps of me applying to QuestBridge just because I didn't want people to like start making those comments of whether or not I'll get into the schools I applied to. When I finally like announced it, I guess, or like told people about it, I definitely got a few snarky comments from people who are like, I'm so happy for you. But then their face is like, "Mm, like, I should be there instead. And like, it made me feel really uncomfortable. But you know, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, "Mm, I don't really know how to react. But I appreciate the thought, I guess. No, literally same. I like told people I was applying to QuestBridge because like at my school, I feel like a good amount of people actually applied to it. And like a lot of my friends applied to it as well. But I never like really told people the schools I ranked because I just felt like embarrassed, like thinking I could get into these, like not thinking I could get in, but like just applying to them at, in the first place. And like, I didn't, I feel like I'm pretty, like I have accomplishments, right? Like I have a 4.0 GPA, I get like good grades. I've been to nationals and speech and debate. Like I have accomplishments, but I feel like people would like look at me and be like, oh, like you're not good enough. So like, I don't know, it was just really scary. Cause like, even though like you can be like the best of the best at everything and people will still be like, who do you think you are? It's like apply to these amazing competitive schools. Like you're not gonna get in. I think yeah. it also comes with like just myself in a way I don't see my accomplishments as something like wow that's amazing and like when I tell other people about things they're like wow you're doing so much you're you have this you have that but when I put myself in, like just like looking at me from outside I'm like that's nothing that crazy I guess because I know so many people that have like oh, a perfect GPA, they have, they're like president of XYZ club. And so when I look at myself, it's like, oh, that's not that much, which really plays into the imposter syndrome because it's like, wow, um, being president of like my school's engineering club or having a 4.0 GPA, that's, that's very impressive, but I don't see it like that sometimes, especially when applying through the match. I was like, I'm not going to get in because everyone who's applying has the same stats as me. Exactly. Exactly. No, yeah, I feel the same as you, as you, Coco, because I remember I was telling my mom that, like, I feel like I'm not hardworking, even though, like, straight A's, like, you know, like, I go to class, like, I help people with their assignments, whatever, I'm in class, whatever, whatever, but, like, to me, it feels like it's not that much, or it feels like it's not that big a deal. It's, like, yeah, like, shouldn't we all be getting good grades like it should not be a like why am I getting celebrated if it's like what I should be doing you know and so for me it was also like should I feel excited about you know being a good student if 
shouldn't that be like the standard, like being a good student? And so a lot of like my head was like, I feel like I'm not even doing anything. Even though like I would get home at nine, like this first semester, I wasn't, I was, I put myself in a bunch of stuff and like, I would come in at nine, like finish homework. I, I would like sleep. I would sleep at like 9.30 if I could help it because I was just so tired of like my entire day. And even then I would like during the lapse of like the decision coming out, I was like, I feel like it's not even, it it helped. No, well, it didn't help. Like it added to the, ugh, I'm not gonna get matched. Like I'm not even expecting anything because myself felt like I'm, I'm not even like that good or whatever. And so like, I definitely feel that. Right. And that happened to me too. Just the idea of not being good enough. Like, even though on paper we have these accomplishments, like living that experience myself, I feel so guilty for just slacking off. Like, whenever I'm like, why do I get to have these awards or these titles when I've also been scrolling on TikTok for like two hours (laughs) and I've been binge watching these TV shows? I'm like, do I really deserve this? And it kind of just takes me back to my entire like high school career where I'm just looking back on all the opportunities that I got. And I questioned myself, like, am I even the right person to have this role or to have gotten this grade? Because I can see how other people have worked equally as hard and even worked harder than me and somehow like my grade is still higher than theirs which doesn't make any sense and I'm just really confused by the whole I guess image of myself and it's this like contradicting idea of your self-image and others idea of you and just all of that combined it's just one whole mess of you trying to figure out who you are and what you've done to deserve where you are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the guilt part. Like, I remember um, that I would, like like you said, I'll be on TikTok, right? Or like, I'll be like, I would come home late and then I'll be like, eh, I'll do my assignment like in the morning. And then I would feel guilty. Like, oh my God, like, why am I, why am I not like super, like super hardcore dedicated to my work? Like, I should not be doing this. And so like, even like the slightest slack off, I would feel guilty because of like, oh, I'm supposed to be the quote unquote smart girl or like the, the, you know, top of my class, whatever. I'm not valedictorian, but like, I'm like in like top 10 ish. And so like, I'm like, oh, I'm the quote unquote smart girl. Like I have to be doing all of this. And I would feel guilty if I didn't, like, even if there was nobody around me, I would like be like, oh, like you don't, you're not working hard enough or like, why are you slacking off? And then now that like we're, you know, it's like, okay, I'm in college. I've got my like finances figured out. And then like, it's kind of hard, like being told that like, oh, you're good for right now, but like college, because then I will slack off because I think, "Mm, is it, I mean, my future is set. Like, should I really like, should I really be studying for this test? If like, as long as I keep my, like my good grades, like it'll be fine. And so that's taking like, and then that makes me feel guilty that I'm like, considering like slacking off or like senioritis hit earlier than I would have expected because it's like eh well I'm already in college but then it's like wait and so it's just like a cycle um so yeah I definitely agree like I made myself feel guilty so many times but I also feel like my mom she definitely made me feel guilty about like the whole college application process 
because like at church we have like these things ca called testimonies or whatever so people would like go up to the podium and give like all their testimonies so like i had like a bunch of teenagers my age who were like really accomplished in my church they'd be like oh i just got like this scholarship i got like twenty thousand dollars or like ten thousand dollars like all these really big scholarships and my mom would look at me she'd be like oh why aren't you like doing what they're doing like why aren't you accomplished like them and all that other stuff and just made me feel like inferior you know it happened to me too especially because um this semester with college applications and everything like know that i was getting home super late i was staying up all night the all-nighters would literally be every other night studying for a test and then i got uh, my first b in calculus and I remember telling my mom about it. And I was like, hey, I think I'm gonna end up with a B in calculus. And she was like, she she paused what she was doing and she just looked at me like, why? I give you, I, you do nothing at home. You, I'll give you time to do anything you want, but you still slack off. And I'm like, man, I'll help you cook, like chop. <laughs> but it's like, it, it makes me think like, oh, maybe I don't have it as bad as other people. And I'm really here just like slacking off and not putting all the time I can when I'm literally like not sleeping every night. And actually in November, around November, after applications were done and we had that whole month to wait, I really slacked off and not necessarily just like school-wise, but I decided that I would have fun and like treat myself and go out with my friends, which I hadn't done like in a long time. And I would literally go to like birthday parties or just go to my friend's house, sleep over, and it made me feel bad afterwards and like beginning of break this December, I was like, man, maybe if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have a B in calculus. But now that I really had time to think of it, it's like with everything that's going on and just like college applications and all the struggles we had with like recommendation letters, financial aid, the CSS profile, because oh my God, <laughs> I think back to it and I'm like, I'm surprised that like, I'm proud of my B and I'm proud that I even finished the semester with like good grades yeah definitely yeah this semester was when I kind of went a little bit more wild with my social life I guess um I started going out with my friends more I told myself it was more like a distraction with everything that's going on at school um but I think I just really needed it in general especially after quarantine I'm a social butterfly so the fact that I was trapped in my home <laughs> for a year and a half you know being able to go outside and hang out with my friends and just have a good time is really good for my mental health but also at the same time I had those moments like you Coco where I was like oh my god if I just didn't go out that one night I could have had a better grade and I didn't have to work even harder now and <laughs> just make my future self have more problems than needed and it's just like that guilt of having fun. Like, I feel like I didn't deserve it just because like there's other people who are less privileged than me who has to use up every single minute of their life to either um, take care of their family, to commute to school and to um, do these extracurriculars and find their own resources to get good grades. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I have this place of privilege I guess where I can have the time to go out with my friends like I don't know I just felt like it was undeserving of me to quote-unquote waste my time 
doing these social events, even though it was good for me. And even now it's still like this balance that I have to work on of uh, figuring out how to make a good compromise between my academics, my mental health and my social life. Mm -hmm. Um, Touching on the others have it worse. um, I, my going back to that same teacher, I remember that to write my letter of recommendation, he asked me to send um, like my, obviously like my my supplemental essays, my resume, um, like AP scores, all that. Um, and then in my um, QuestBridge essay, you know how the prompt was like, talk about a challenge or what has uh, formed you as a person, whatever, whatever. I wrote about my challenge, which was like, um, like financial struggles at home. Um, and so like obviously I sent that to him and then the teacher was like do you have any other challenges and then I was just like um I mean that's like the most I feel like that's the most significant that's like impacted me because I I'll be the first to say like I've had a pretty privileged life like I have a good like home life um and then I've never really struggled with like mental I mean like mental illness um and stuff like that And so, like, I'd say, like, I'm pretty privileged and, like, I've never had, like, any, like, significant or, like, life-altering trauma except that. Um, And he was like, "Um, yeah, but it's because you're competing against other people who've had, like, they, like, didn't have clean water, so they had to walk three miles to get just water. And it's like, you need to put something more, like, significant. And then I was like, well, I don't really have, like, I don't know to have other challenges. And so, like, that made me feel like since I don't have like such big challenges as other people should I be doing more with my time with my opportunities with you know all of that like should am I not doing enough simply by the fact that I don't have to like do it like take care of family members or I don't have to like work to provide for my family like stuff like that and so I think that really takes a toll on you considering like should could I be doing more because I don't, because other people have it worse than me? And I feel like that contributes a lot to imposter syndrome. The essay thing really hit me because um, for, for both my, I stuck with my college prep scholar essay, which was, I try to make a, I take like a funny way into how I learned English. I've been in the U.S. now for a bit over four years. And so I was like, okay, uh, coming to the United States, that was a big shift. And I think that I don't want to talk about, there are some struggles I don't feel comfortable talking about. So I'm just going to talk about this. It's it's going to be a lighthearted essay and I can do it. So I showed it to somebody that got matched to a school, the uh, class of 25, I think. So previous year. And I was like, hey, I really want to stick with my culture prep scholar essay. I'll probably just add on to it. And she was like, don't do it. I read your essay and your struggles are not really struggles. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she just told me everyone go, everyone that comes to the U.S. goes through it. And I'm like, I get that, that a lot of immigrants go through it, but it's a struggle that I'm comfortable talking about. And I don't think I want to talk about other things such as like personal trauma and things like that. And she was like, well, don't you have like another story? Because this is like not national college match worthy I was like man like maybe I should be talking about other things because I thought that it wasn't like special enough or unique enough because that's something I'm sure we've all heard that like 
think of a unique topic. Don't make a sob story or don't talk about religion. Don't talk about anything political. And it's like, it, you just have to stay true to yourself and like talk about something you're passionate about. And I guess that just, if you're going to talk about struggles, something that affected you, but that now you've grown from it in a way. And it's just like, it, it really made me think on... I talked about that with my matriculate advisor and she was like, you can definitely do it. Just do whatever you want. That person does not have the right to tell you what's a struggle and what isn't, which is very true. Mm-hmm. If like it affected you in any way, then sure, it is a struggle. Yeah. And I feel like also everyone, if, if it's like a like a common struggle, I guess, like learning to, to talk English, to speak English, like you said, that like a lot of immigrants go through that. Just because a lot of people go through it doesn't mean that they go through it in that same way that you did. They didn't learn the same things that you did. And so I feel like for the listeners or anyone who's like um, considering uh, like what, what should they talk about in their essays, it's like make it unique to yourself. Just because a lot of people go through that doesn't mean that you shouldn't write about it because uh, it'll make me look boring. No, like tailor it to yourself, to your experience, to your growth. And that's going to be way more powerful than if you do like a unique story that doesn't really like connect to you or that you just did it because, oh, it's quirky. Like it'll get me in because it's different. Yeah, I feel like people are really scared of doing like the quote unquote generic essays because they're scared that like everyone else does it. But the thing is with like college essays, you have to tailor it to yourself. And like, it's gonna be different because it's your story. And like, if it's a generic essay, it doesn't matter because it's the way that you're telling it that's gonna be different. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely do you guys want to share like the general topic that you discussed in your essays the only ones that I remember is the 800 word one I just remember there was one of like historical figure or no historical figure <laughs> or character that's yeah I remember so I feel like that says a lot but those are like my <laughs> best ones I guess. <laughs> um I have it like in my head if I if you guys want me to share like yeah um, okay, so my 800 word one was like the, tell us about like your, ass. I don't know what it even was, but basically I wrote about like, so I'm really into fashion. And so I wrote about like my go-to outfit and how every component um, like related to a piece of myself. So like, I started off with like, oh, I write about I first write about my pants because I always choose what pants or like a skirt I'm going to use first because it's like, did I shave my legs or like, <laughs> what's the weather? And also I always start off with that. And so I was like, that's the determining factor of my outfit. And so I was like the determining factor of my life or like a challenge that like changed my life was like financial struggles. Right. Um, and so then I was like, Oh, my top. So then once I have my pants, I go on to like, what am I going to wear on top? Um, and so it was like, oh, I have this. Um, I have it right here, actually. This like red top um, that I made because I took a sewing class. Um, and it's red because it's it's the red reminds me of passion. And then I talk about like my passion for fashion and my passion for school. And then I'm like, OK, now my shoes, they follow me every step of the way or whatever. It was so, so, it was kind of cringy. Like, this, <laughs> no, that's so good. <laughs> the shoes were kind of cringy I was like oh it follows me everywhere everywhere like you don't take your shoes off or whatever (laughs) and then I was like oh it's like my heritage um like my Mexican heritage how I don't want to lose that or how I don't want 
or how that follows me everywhere. And then, so yeah, that was basically like my essay, like components of an outfit and how they correlate to different parts of me. Um, and then I did, the one that I remember is the like, who would you talk to uh, if it's like a character or historical figure? And I think I put it in the chat, but I wrote about death. Um, and that's the narrator of The Book Thief, which is one of my favorite books. And so basically I talked about how like I would ask him if he ever got sad because everyone shames death or like sees it as the most undesirable aspect of being human. And then throughout the book, um, death is given human qualities. So he gets depressed or he'll make jokes or he, um, you know, is hopeful about things. And so I write about how he wants to be human, but he will never be human because he is death and every human leads to death, something like that. Um, so yeah, and then because I'm I'm doing cognitive science as my major, I wanted to talk about like consciousness and like perception. And so that's why I talked about like death. Wow, that was really good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm in love with your essays. You have to send them to me the later so Thank I can you. Thank them. you. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I think for like my 800, I have to find what the prompt is because I genuinely don't remember. Oh, I have like, a prompt right here. It's talk okay. about your background or something like that. Yeah, please describe the factors and challenges that have most shaped your personal life and aspirations. How have these factors helped you grow? Okay, so my 800 word one, it was kind of generic, but like it was my story. So I told it anyways. It was about like um, my dad passing away when I was like kind of young. So like my dad had this like stereo and he would like always play music on it. So I tied like his death to like the stereo and like I just used a lot of figurative language throughout the essay to like basically because his death was like it made me who I am today and like shaped my future aspirations in like the medical field and all that. So I talked about that for my 800 word one. And then for the 500 word one, I genuinely don't remember what that one was, but I remember the like the historical figure one because I wrote about Malcolm X for that one. And I talked about like how he's like when I was growing up, um, I went to like a predominantly white district. So um, when I was growing up, Malcolm X was always like painted as a villain and always painted as like the bad guy or whatever. So I talked about how like when I grew up and I finally got to like research into him, how he, he wasn't that person that like people paint him out to be. So I would ask him like, what was it like, like being painted as such a horrible figure when all you did was like try to advance black rights and stuff like that. And then for the other short enter one, I talked about speech and debate because I like played a really big part in my life and it, like it gave me my voice. So I talked about that. For mine, uh, for my 800 word one, I mentioned that it was about me learning English, which basically it was, I try to make it sort of funny, like my struggle with it. Uh, and I started saying like, oh, when I arrived to the airport in the United States, I was singing the national anthem, but it was like my own Bolivian version of it because I didn't speak English. And how I thought that I would adapt quickly because of I move around a lot. And because of, I had watched High School Musical twice. So I knew what to expect from an American high school. And then I talked, uh, I followed that up with like, oh, when I arrived to school, nobody spoke English, they spoke gibberish, so I didn't understand them, and how I was scared, and I thought that I wasn't going to succeed, that, um, oh my god, my mom brought me to this country to, like, 
be a better person to like advance and to give me more opportunities, but I can't take any of them if I don't speak the language. And I talk about going on Duolingo, trying to like brainwash myself into learning English, watching those like two hour hypnosis videos that like <laughs> will make you learn English while you're asleep. And after that, like the last parts of my essay were about how after I learned English, it allowed me to learn more about people's cultures and connect to them because English was a conduit and I tied in some accomplishments and how going to college uh, would allow me to continue with those accomplishments. And at the end, I added like a funny sentence saying like, and although I'm not, like not the best singer, I can sing the American version of the national anthem. And uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, Thank that's you. really good. I think all of your 800 word essays are like phenomenal. <laughs> oh my God. Actually, the biggest part of my essay was like how I learned it by listening to music. And I had a paragraph talking about how I would give concerts to my stuffed animals oh, and how yes. that's how I practice my English. And for my 500 word one, I did talk about eating glow sticks, which I was like young. It wasn't what recent. Was the prompt? Like Sharon and you talked about like complete different things. I don't even know what the prompt is. <laughs> oh, the 500 word one that I picked was something that you research just because like just oh, because yeah, it's part yeah, of your yeah, interest. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I talked about how I was fascinated by glow sticks and how they just glow out of nowhere. So I bit into one and there was glass inside of it. And I talked to my teacher about it. And my teacher was like, are you dumb? And then he explained to me like the chemical reaction, which is um, chemoluminescence. I think that's the name in English. It's like chemically mixing two chemicals and then boom, they glow. And I talked about how that correlated to my passion with astronomy. And the thing that I investigated was like um, air glow and how I hope to research it further when I'm in college. Wow. For okay. <laughs> And for the uh, 200 word ones, uh, the biggest struggle I talked about how coming to the U.S. was and making it alive was like, oh, no, it was biggest accomplishment. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Uh, was coming to the U.S. and making it alive and how so many people try to come in and I'm privileged to come in here and like be alive. And for the historical figure, that's the one I struggled with the most because I had no idea who to talk about. And I don't read books like that. So I was like, I have no book character to talk about. And I ended up talking about um, Jaime Escalante, which is a Bolivian teacher who came to the US and they made a movie about him actually. And he became very famous because he taught at a very low income area in Cali. And all his students passed the AP exam for calculus and how everyone thought that they were cheating because that had never happened before. And they made the students take it again and they all passed. So I was like, oh, um, since in South America, I saw all, like most of my cousins drop out and almost no one can go to school because you have basically to pay to get a good education. What advice would you give to like our newer generations that are struggling with it and like advice to allow them to keep and uh, stay in school? Wow, I loved all of your responses to the <laughs> historical figure one. Yeah, that that's really Thank interesting. You. What were mm-hmm. yours? 
So my 800 word one, it was, it was kind of messy. It wasn't like a specific topic, like what you guys wrote about. Um, but I started it, or I guess it was more of a chronological sequence. So I started it by saying how like, every week, like I cut out coupons with my dad, and then we would go to the grocery store to buy like discounted grocery items. And then I'd come home and cook. Um, and then I started talking about how, like, at school, when I didn't know any information, like I didn't, I wasn't able to afford a tutor. So I would just look up information on my own by binge watching Khan Academy, or like going on this homework help website that um, our library offers. Um, and then I started talking about my podcast. And it's just like a weird sequence. Honestly, it's kind of hard to explain now because it is just like a ton of different categories of my life put together in one. Um, I'm really proud of my 500 word, 500 word one, which was the um, talk about what you're most interested in. Um, and then for that one, I talked about this girl, her name's Lauren Singer, and she basically created this like zero waste shop. And it's just super cool because she utilized social media to promote her platform and to promote like climate change and or not promote climate change. Oh, my God. <laughs> Advocate <laughs> for <laughs> climate change and how like you can reduce your plastic waste to help the environment. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do something like that too. Um, and then for my uh, 200 word one, which was uh, the historical figure or uh, character from a book, that one I wrote about Madame C.J. Walker, who was like um, the African-American entrepreneur. And that was because I was interested in entrepreneurship. And then so I wanted to ask her questions like, what steps did you take to persist through people undermining your work as an African-American businesswoman? And, you know, at first I was kind of scared to talk about this because like, I'm not African-American, you know, so it, it'd be like weird, quote unquote, um, like the ending part kind of tied it together. Like how in general, like everyone was kind of underrepresented during her time. And like, even now, Till this day, a lot of minorities are still underrepresented, especially in leadership roles. And I wanted to learn from Walker. Love yeah. it. You I literally love that so much. Yes. Before we end this episode, um, would you guys like to say like one quick sentence, a, a one sentence advice for people who are currently coping with imposter syndrome and are looking forward to the next steps in their application process? I would say um, put your life into perspective and just consider like your environment in a way because not all of us come from the same backgrounds we're not we don't have the same resources so to compare myself with somebody that had the opportunity to do research on skin cancer when I can barely I don't know, afford rent in here. It's just like, it's crazy. So just consider your circumstances. Um, I would say for sure, like not to compare yourself to other people and just like believe in yourself. Cause a really big problem for me was like not truly believing my accomplishments were like good enough. 
So like, don't compare yourself and like trust that your accomplishments mean something. For me, I would say something similar to um, limit the circumstances in which you could compare yourself to others who you should not be comparing yourself to. Um, because I think it's important for you to set your own boundaries as to what you're willing to tolerate, I guess, mentally. Like if you're willing to put yourself in positions where comparing yourself is inevitable, or if you're willing to like, you kind of like be on your own, kind of like, I've done this, now I'm gonna have faith because the people who are making these decisions have been working, have been doing this for years and they know, they have experience knowing what type of student thrives at their institution. And so if you got in, it's because they know that you can do it. And so if they have faith in you, you should have faith in yourself. Yes. And um, my advice would just be trust yourself and your own journey because no one understands you better than you. But yeah, that will be the end of this episode. So thank you all so much for coming on my show today and sharing your journeys. Where can my audience connect with you guys? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram. Hype me up up under my posts. Um, <laughs> um, my Instagram is at nilda with four a's dot j. Oh, I guess I, I recently made an Instagram account, so I feel like a grandma when I use it. But it's at kokimoki, which is what my friend calls me. The it's with K, so K O K I I M O K I. It's at bby.sharxnn. I made it in like fifth grade, so sorry for the <laughs> username. <laughs> and with that, you can also follow Study Break on Instagram at the Study Break Podcast, as well as tuning into your favorite podcast app. Follow Study Break there and stay tuned for a new episode every Tuesday. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you have an amazing day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.